Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your hosts, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And Phil, we have not one potential, one crisis going on, uh, and we're going to talk extensively about that. We have a special guest with us this week to talk about it, but one, but a potentially another major disaster affecting a major Jewish community here in the United States, uh, Hurricane Irma barreling towards Miami Beach. And, you know, I know that hurricanes are not necessarily a political issue, but there's so much politics around it. But on the other hand, sometimes it's worth it to take uh, a couple minutes or even take a show and talk about some of the things that are meaningful out there. And first and foremost, uh, our colleague, uh, or your colleague, but my friend, or your our, our friend, uh, Michael Samanowitz, uh, Assemblyman from Queens, uh, from Walking Kiddush Hashem, passed away this past week very suddenly, very tragically, had cancer. We all knew he was battling it, but nobody really knew the extent to how... Um, quickly it would it would go and and take him from us uh you know my thoughts with him his four children i mean with his wife his four children it's just devastating to all of us yeah michael smart it's irreplaceable it's this is you know now two weeks in a row where we're starting the show i mean it's been a tragic week for for the assembly um last week uh and i i, I paid my respects to uh, joe morelli who lost his daughter and and this is just devastating news. Mike and I actually were elected on the very same day. Uh, right. We were both elected... Um, on Bob Turner Day. On Bob Turner Day. <laughs> September 13th, September 13th, 2011. Um, we both, in a special election, sort of took office. And I, I remember this, and Mike and I had known each other for a while. I started my career working for Jim Gennaro, Councilman Jim Gennaro, in Queens. And uh, Mike, at the time, was the chief of staff for Eddie Mayerson. And so we actually worked together. Not a lot, but we knew each other. And again, you know, it was very rare to find Orthodox Jews... In politics, and so finding Mike sort of in that new world that I was getting involved in, and, and I met you at the same time I, I, I met you. Um, it was just very rare, and sort of he was very friendly and very kind and very nice and very welcoming. Sort of somebody who was willing to mentor. Meaning, when you were new in politics, sort of the guys who had been around a while, they don't want to be bothered, right? They don't want to be bothered. And, and credit to you and a few others, but Mike especially, who literally was in Queens and sort of one of my local neighbors in politics over there. He was just very, very welcoming. And then it was just sort of Minashamaya, and literally on the same day, we both get elected to serve in the New York State Assembly. Um, and I had the, the, the honor of serving with him for five years, working on any issue and every issue. Um, you know, interesting, you know, Mike is was one of the greatest guys, but he was never warm and fluffy. You know, anybody, you know, it's funny as, as you read some of the comments, Mike was, was not... He was honest, he was straight, and he told you what he what he was believing and what he was thinking every single there, there time. Was, there was no poker face. That is what made him so great. I mean, it was it was one of those things where there's some guys you just you always see a smile but you never know what they're thinking. With Mike it was the exact opposite. You always knew what he was thinking and and it was just it was great. I mean, in the world of politics of today where you have to sit and maneuver and angle to understand and think, Mike was one of those guys who literally you know, was willing to do anything for everybody, and he would always tell you right up front exactly where his opinions were, and he never shifted from that. And he was a, a tremendous, as, as you said, he was a, a, a tremendous colleague of mine. He was a, you know, never shy about wearing his yarmulke wherever he went. Never shy about about being proud of where he came from and and who he was there to represent. And it was a, a very, it was a, a tremendous privilege to serve along with him. He fought for every issue that was important to the Jewish community, but but. Every every constituent in his uh, Kewgarn Hills and his Queens district uh, was important, and he he was a fighter and and right up to the end as as he battled. You know, and, we, and you guys were 
kind of came in together. But the interesting thing is you both wore yarmulkes. You both were not from majority Orthodox districts. I would say that um, even you know, while Mike had a base in, amongst the Orthodox community, Kew Gardens Hills, Kew Gardens, Forest Hills, but he wasn't. It wasn't as if the it was an exclusively Orthodox district. But he wore a yarmulke proudly wherever he went, no matter what event he went to. Uh, he was a big player in the Queen's Democratic Party. Uh, Mike he was, was a treasurer. He was treasurer, treasurer of the Democratic correct, Party. and a player in the. Democratic conference in the uh, he was the chairman of the Democratic conference, of conference in in the assembly. So he was a person respected, you know, amongst his colleagues, amongst party insiders, amongst everybody. Uh, just a, a a guy who, you know, as everybody said, I mean, I, I spoke to our, our mutual friend Barry, Barry Grudenchik. I mean, just the other the other day, we were just couldn't get over the loss, but just the fact that he was, if you were friends with him, it didn't you know it didn't matter. He told you he was the same. No matter where he was, it didn't matter. I mean, you, you, I saw him inside the office, saw him outside the office. I saw him on the floor. It didn't matter. You know, he was always the same guy. Whether it's up in Albany, down here in in Queens, or wherever event he went to, he was exactly the same guy. And what's so fascinating? It didn't matter the issue. It didn't matter who you were. If he disagreed, you were going to hear about right. it. Right. Um, and yeah, no and matter what think, organization, no matter how much juice, quote unquote, you had, it didn't right. matter. He was going to tell you exactly like it is. And he was. I mean, he was amazing. And even after, even after. I left the assembly. I mean, he was one of the first people to call me and to offer any and all assistance and to welcome me and say, "Oh, we're still going to be great friends and we're still going to talk." And and it's it it was a very 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 hard. Yeah, he helped people get jobs. I mean, there's just the it's it's irreplaceable. I have to say. I mean, he really was one of a kind in in particularly in politics. And you know, he was. I know we call the show spin class, but he was a no spin guy. He was a no spin. He was. That's why he couldn't do this. He was a no spin guy. He was. He we. I you know I had him as a guest a couple times. Uh, and but that was always a you know just a he would say and you know he was also a little bit of an anomaly. He was very conservative Democrat. That's right. In a very liberal. Conference, but yet he was conference chairman. Yeah, look, the, him and I, we shared so many of those things, and it's it's fascinating. You don't think about it, uh, you know, but like we literally shared that, you know, we both were endorsed and worked with the conservative party, and we were both, you know, we were both very proud of, of where we came from and, 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 and what we were there to do. And he, I would say he did it so much better than me. I mean, you know, for me, it was, it was I think I, I had a bit more difficulty in sort of navigating some of, and some of those worlds, and, and he did it seamlessly. He did it effortlessly. He literally, he literally, was able to sort of command these rooms, like you said, like he was uh, very influential in the Queen's Democratic Party, and he was able to sort of go in there and sort of do what had to be done and 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 work with anybody who needed to be worked with, you know, probably better than anybody. And I, I give him look. And he got important legislation passed as it, well, particularly concerning the firm community. I mean, people don't realize that in New York State, and I, there's a kind of little known thing, and it just happened. But there's you know two things that uh, over the past year that he accomplished was one he allowed a, a based in to make rulings on a sunday or to have hearings on a sunday which one would think oh yeah it's, it's it's an obvious one why can't why not well new york state was against the law to have arbitration on a sunday and the other thing is with regard to um unclaimed bodies i mean That's i right. think that this is a uh, you know he and simcha felder worked together to make sure that uh, that the a, a body that wasn't claimed within 24 hours would automatically go to the medical examiner okay you, you can't imagine such a thing if you're from family that that was that that would go and you know then dissected and put it in a potter's field i mean it's just a, and you think of about the the magnitude of it that nobody thought to do this beforehand. More importantly, and, this and, is, and he got and he got 
flack from that. This is, and I was about to say that because I, you know, again, I had a, a unique experience, and and I, he told me I he got so did. much negativity from some members of the conference on that he, bill. I mean, everybody thinks at least it's common sense. What's the big deal? Right. It's going to be so easy. I had a, a unique opportunity to see it from the inside. Right. right, I sat in those conference meetings, and and he literally. You know, people in co- they would they would yell and they would scream, right? Whether it was lobbyists from the medical schools who were going to lose opportunities to to get to get bodies, or, or or others who thought that 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 you know we need to do things a bit differently or, or think keep things the way they are. He was again, he wasn't shy. I I, I remember it so distinctly when we were having debates about uh, the 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 tax credit for yeshiva students and. You know, in a liberal democratic conference in the assembly, these were not issues that were always welcome. These were not issues, you know, um, the education tax credit was not something that was widely supported. Ultimately, it didn't happen. Mike was passionate and like and, and, and was such a strong advocate, probably better than I ever could be. I mean, because he, he wasn't shy. He wasn't shy about about relationships. He wasn't shy about about cutting a deal. He was he was excited to work for what he believed in, what he thought was the right thing to do in it. And by the way. People yelled back, right? There, there are just as strong-minded people on the other side. He didn't back down. Uh, he literally was just one of the strongest voice on issues affecting the Jewish community, and we lost, we lost a, a true gem um, in the Jewish community, in politics, in government. We lost a true gem, and uh, and I lost a great friend. And the last point I wanted to mention, because you were there front center, actually, and I was watching the entire thing. Um, and before we transition to talk about a uh, Houston and disaster, the one of the few really meaningful debates on the assembly oh, floor. That's a good one. Okay. One of the few meaningful was around the East Ramapo oversight bill, quote unquote, which is basically would have been a state takeover of the East Ramapo school district for no reason other than the fact that the, the leadership was orthodox. And, uh, your colleague, your former colleague, Ellen Jaffe had the bill and she was defending it and you got up to speak. And, but I, it, the, the, well, we, we have our opinions about it, but you, you had a, a great takedown of Alan Jaffe at the time, as did Mike Samanowitz. I think he's going to be remembered for that, because that was one of the few times that he really was public. You know, he was a, I don't want to say he was a behind-the-scenes guy, he was a backroom guy, but on the other hand, as you said, when, the, when he spoke up, it was generally in conference and stuff, but this is something that everybody will remember, him standing up on the floor and and defending, essentially, uh, you know, the... the the rights of the Orthodox community to choose its own representatives. I, you literally just gave me the chills, and I, I remember that day because I was, you know, <laughs> again, I was the consummate diplomat, and I was trying to, you know, sort of be as as kind and diplomatic and 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 and, and nice as possible. Mike didn't pull any punches, and this nope. is how we started this. You know, Mike didn't pull any punches. He believed that the legislation was wrong. He believed that it was it sent the wrong message. He believed on some levels it was anti-Semitic, and and ultimately he got up and he said exactly what he believed. And I give him all the credit in the world. It's uh, just such a tragic, tragic loss, and 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 I'm gonna miss him. Yeah, the man is irreplaceable. Um, so with that, I I wanna. Yeah, I, I just can't. I can't think enough of how much he was, how how meaningful his role was to the to the firm community here in New York State. Um, not just in Queens, but but throughout. You know, a lot of people didn't know he didn't have the same fanfare as some others. Um, but he still. No, I'm I'm gonna say it. Uh, it wasn't like as if he was. Uh, I, uh, you know, out there on every issue, um, but he was out there in a meaningful way on on several issues that he knew. He picked his battles. He knew what was important, and he he really led by example. And I think most importantly, he was really in an era where politicians are often 
uh, mocked for being corrupt and, and the like. Uh, he was a man who was beyond reproach for everybody. Everybody felt that way. Um, it's just it, it's just a, a terrible loss. So we have, I want to welcome a special guest to the program here, uh, Baruch Berbender, President and CEO of Achiezer, well-known crisis intervention uh, organization that has uh, started here in the Five Towns for Rockaway, but really gone uh, through ad- has gained national acclaim through uh, disasters like Hurricane Sandy and has been on the ground for the last couple of days with with you, Phil, in in Houston. Um, and you know, we'll talk about for a second, you know, the Jewish community the devastation there, which is actually quite significant because, you know, a lot of the from the Orthodox community is exactly right on several of the bayous and the rivers and creeks and streams, which are now, I guess, you know, full-fledged rivers uh, going through the community. And the devastation is quite significant. I'd like to talk, you know, talk about that and, you know, what what it means. And now we have another hurricane potentially bearing down on the firm community in Florida. And, you know, what what can we learn from that? We we touched on it last week, Phil, but we have, uh, you know, now you've been on the ground. Baruch Barra has now been on the ground twice in Houston. You know, what's going on? Barry Bender, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here along with Phil, who uh, just spent several days with, as you mentioned. Um, so to tell you the truth, you know, it's, you know, it's happened, unfortunately, all too often in the last several years where there's been some, you know, I would even call horrific natural disasters um, start going back all the way to uh, Hurricane Sandy. Obviously, there were others beforehand, not specifically or specific to the Jewish communities, of course, like Katrina. But after Sandy, you know, there was Detroit flooding a couple of years ago. There were terrible mudslides in Colorado a couple of years ago. And here we are with the Houston floods. And I think what we're seeing is um, unprecedented catastrophes. Um, that have left many people devastated, I would say decimated, and unprepared for really how to respond. And uh, for better or for worse, uh, because of what we here in the Farakway Five Towns, Seagate, Brooklyn, Bayswater, Bell Harbor, other areas went through in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy, we've been through this, and so we have started to learn, unfortunately, how to respond to such disasters and how to cope with the immediate aftermath. And then the next phase is where it comes to rebuilding, and all of the desperate needs that just start to pile up. And, you know, you look back and you reflect and you look at what worked and you look at what didn't work. And I think that's really what led me and several of us. It was actually on my first trip. I went down with Phil's brother, uh, Rummy Goldfeder, who has a tremendous amount of construction and electrical experience from his business here. And in the aftermath of Hurricane Sandy, he was just played a pivotal role in assisting families in need. Uh, we took along Mordechai Picker from our office as well. And... I think when we got there, people were just in a very shell shock stage. Uh, Houston has had their share of flooding, Michael. Yeah, this is actually a third flood, and right, it's it's amazing. And you read about the fact that many families are have just literally rebuilt from the last that's exactly flood. Exactly what we heard, and it wasn't. The but this flooding is worse. I mean, the scale right. here is much much worse. I think it's worse in two fronts. I think we, what, we, what Phil and I learned in our trip now in the last couple of days, it's worse in terms of what happened. Like you said, there were literally oceans and rivers through the streets. I mean. When we first pulled in that, I mean, pictures don't do justice. It was, it was, I have goosebumps now. It was just terrifying to see what these people were. Well, were just for. back up for a second. How did you get there? I mean, right. right so you're going to a disaster zone. Let's just talk about it for a second because I think it's it's good to give some context to to the listeners as 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 you know, what does it mean? Oh yeah, I just pick up one day and decide, hey, something's going on in Houston. I'm going to go fly down there. So briefly to walk you through the details because I think the listeners like to know details. Uh, it was actually Rabbi David Greenblatt. Uh, very well known here in our community from the Davis Memorial Fund, was very instrumental in the fundraising after Hurricane Sandy. 
he called us up and said, you know, Baruch Bar, I spoke to my friend Rabbi Moskowitz, who's the Rav of what's now famously known as the Marilyn Minion, uh, which has been hit so hard. And he said, they just need help. And they're just, you've got to help them. And at first we spoke to him on the phone here and there, but it became apparent that our presence there would be a much bigger deal and much more impactful. And you're right, Michael. It wasn't just, you know, we jumped on a plane and went there until we found a flight, actually. It wasn't easy either. The airports close by to the community were both shut down and flooded out. You're 100% right. One is known as Hobby Airport. One is known as Bush Airport. It wasn't even a question of getting there. So we actually flew into Austin. Uh, and even getting to our rental car was quite a debacle. Uh, and then we drove down uh, with a... Uh, Avrami got us like this massive Texas-style pickup truck because we knew that some little uh, uh, vehicle wasn't going to do it. Um, so short of the cowboy hat, we were really fitting right in. Uh, but on a more serious note, we, we drove for many hours. And then, honestly, we really started to understand what was going on because we started coming closer and we saw certain highways and the cops were diverting us, as you uh, asked me to share, literally on and off highways. Uh, we saw semi-tractor trailers completely submerged. Uh, actually, rather tragically, when we got closer to the neighborhood, one of the cops pointed out to us, uh, we explained to him what we were doing there. And by the way, just wherever we went, I don't want to get off on a tangent, every police officer, every you know elected official, every community member, when they... You know, when, when we introduced ourselves and said where we came from, they were so grateful. And it, just the fact that we were there. Obviously, we wanted to do more than just be there. Um, but we passed by this truck, and the cops said, yeah, that was actually, they took somebody out of there that didn't make it. Um, and he explained that people were just trapped and with nowhere to go because that you said, the, the, the rivers, the streams, they just came from all sides. Um, so it was just very, very difficult. And, and from we're not talking politics right here. But even from the perspective of everyone back and forth, should they evacuate, should they not have evacuated? There are some saying now if they would have evacuated, people could have gotten trapped on the roads. So it's, it's really no easy answer. Uh, like the president did say, I think that this is one of the worst catastrophes to have ever hit or worst flooding in the history of the U.S., I think is what he said. I don't know exact details. But uh, once we got closer, the waters were starting to recede in certain areas. But with the help of several people, I think one of them was uh, Maishi Friedman from the Kolel, who himself was not, Rabbi Friedman was not affected, along with uh, Rabbi Walby, who runs what's called the Torch Center, terrific, terrific outreach. Uh, they gave us pretty much the routes to go with, because um, they told us if you go the wrong way, you'll, you'll just never get here. Uh, and once we got there, I, I, we really just tried to make an assessment to the best of our ability of where things stood. And to be honest, what we saw was different pieces of the community struggling and trying to be there for their own. And we'll get into details if we have time, but we saw that our biggest goal was going to be over the next several days, that if somehow, some way we can unite all the different shuls, all the different synagogues, and all the different groups trying to do their own work, which was amazing, and we could bring everyone together and not duplicate the efforts and streamline all of our resources from sheltering people to emergency housing to food necessities to medical needs to clean out needs uh, and any other particular special situation that came up then we would be able to do a lot more for the people there. And I, I well, if we have time, we'll get into it. But I, I think we're very gratified to say, and Phil will maybe kind of elaborate on that, that what we, and Phil's brother certainly has been talking about it, Avrami, is that we're, we're very humbled to have been part of that effort. As we look now at what's going on, you see a tremendously unified front. I mean, maybe Phil can comment. Yeah, I mean, it was, I got to Houston on early Sunday morning. Um, and I saw something already different than what was explained to me by Bender and my brother who were there since the previous Wednesday. I mean, they talked about sort of all the problems and issues and concerns. And I got there Sunday morning. It was totally different. It was, it was almost as if it was sort of they'd been doing this for so long. I mean, there was just sort of a certain cohesiveness of the different people who wanted to help. I mean, this wasn't about nobody wanted to be involved and help. It was about so many people wanted to be involved 
to help, but no one really knew which way to go, what direction to do, or or how to do it. I mean, unfortunately, I think for so many of us who went through Sandy, we actually could have used some of this guidance back then. I mean, I think it would have been nice, and, and as quickly as we got sort of our efforts up and running after Sandy, we could have gone that much faster if we'd had the help and the guidance and sort of the assistance. And when I got there on Sunday, you know, sort of a lot of that framework had been put in, and then we spent the next few days just, you know, tightening it up and making it even stronger. And then as time goes on, more and more issues come up, right? Whether it's the insurance or the banks or the supply chains and the deliveries and the donations and how do you store it and how do you distribute it? And then ultimately now the money's coming in and how do you distribute that? I mean, I I don't have to say after Sandy, it was not an easy task, but we really created a program. I, I think there was almost no complaints and that's unheard of, right? When you're giving out money in the Jewish community, I mean, it's very hard to get it right. And we went through it, and I think we set up a really great system, and, and Rabbi Bender and so many others were involved in setting up a great system after Sandy, and we were able to take, again, not to, to sort of go in and impose what we did on anybody else. Here's how we did it. Here's the way we think that, that you can do it. And I think it was really helpful. I mean, we left, and, and it was so it, It's hard to think about this. It's hard to leave, right? Because you spend two, three, four, five days on in, in the ground, and and you you sort of get really into it. Like within five minutes, you're like already a part of the process. And then you have oh, to... Okay. I had to keep reminding Phil that we had to leave. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we have to leave and people are like, no, no, no. They were begging our flights to be delayed. They were begging for our flights to be canceled. Um, and the funniest part is Minashamayam, our flights were actually delayed a few hours, but those were a critical few hours where we were trying to put something together. It was amazing. And if I can, just one... You know, again, I usually take all the credit. My brother of Rami, who was literally there for over almost a week, he left his business, he left his family, he literally picked up and went and was in Houston uh, for almost a week. Whether it was the food service that he was helping coordinate, whether it was the, the the supply chains or the distribution, he literally was just involved in every aspect of helping the community come together. Well, two questions. Number one is wh- where Ashley said, "How many from?" families are we talking about here because i guess so yeah and i don't want to limit it just to the from community but that's the that's that's the one that's the area that we have the most access to that's the area that we know um you know i mean they talk about houston every five six shuls i don't know if they're all in the same neighborhood they're not in the same neighborhood uh they're close to each other where where are people you mentioned that some people are flooded some people are not sure. where are the where are people now are they are they are they are they in shelters still? Are they digging out their homes? I mean, I think we know from from here, from Sandy, and it wasn't just here in the Rockaways Five Towns. It was also in Seagate, in Staten Island, the places. You know, just just uh, clearing the homes of debris and sheetrock is a huge manpower-intensive effort that just takes a long, long time in in order to accomplish. Uh, we, you know, what what's the situation right now? Uh, with what people have are dealing with in their homes and how many people are there right now who are in dire straits? So I would say that, you know, uh, of course, like you said, we're there to help all, all, all Orthodox Jews, non-Orthodox Jews. It doesn't make difference. We were there with Reform, Conservative, and people of course. who are not Jewish at all. But, you know, it is an amazing thing. The Firm community does step up in dramatic fashion uh, for their own, and the same way people did that for us after Sandy, we felt it was our responsibility to reciprocate. Uh, you're talking approximately about four to 450 families in the Orthodox slash from community that have been affected. And I would say probably half of those, uh, more than 200, uh, close to 250 families actually, had extreme damage. Uh, many of those people, I, I would tell you that in this these Orthodox communities, I would say almost nobody has been forced to actually take up in a shelter. Because people from the other parts of town, just to set it up for you, where the young Israel is and where the Kolal is, although they were not affected... Uh, you should know, Michael, that these people, um, Rabbi Friedman and Rabbi Dubin and Abigail Helprin and Sivi Weiss, these were all p- 
big players in the community right now who are not affected, but they have rose to the occasion and they have been day and night taking care of people uh, and making sure that they were that they have what they need. So I think the current state, and I think one thing we were actually very impressed with was despite the devastation and despite many people that are downtrodden and those that obviously can't get up so quickly, people are moving quickly. They're appreciating the help, the massive cleanup efforts, much of it coordinated by uh, many organizations, including the OU, has Rabbi Posey, uh, with the direction of Maish Bain, has sent a tremendous amount of volunteers down there. I know others have come, Hatzalem members, Zaka members, Amudim has sent down people. So I think that that process has been moving quickly, but now comes the next stage where your house is torn out and your house is, is cut out. You took out all that moldy sheetrock, but now you're going to hear that FEMA may cover, may not cover, and people are looking at potential cost in the tens of thousands of dollars. So I think that's where they're at now, where people are going to be stepping back in the next few days, and they may be soon, hopefully, finishing the clean-out, or they call it the muck-out, whatever the professional terms are, and saying, now help. My adjuster is coming. My insurance claim is coming. My FEMA is coming. We'll get back to you in two months. And I know one thing that Phil was instrumental. Uh, we actually had a phone call yesterday with the government in Houston that we were asked to uh, join via conference. Uh, where Phil spoke to them and we spoke to them about any ideas we have about getting FEMA to ease the restrictions and, 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 and get the cash flowing directly to people as opposed to reimbursements that may or may not come. Not everyone has that kind of money to pull sure. back on. Uh, and I know that... Uh, that was a big issue. Yeah, big issue for us here. Yeah, right? it was so interesting. I mean, the, the Jewish community as a whole was was devastated. But I mean, we're think about the impact is that our, our efforts sort of reached the city of Houston, where we literally were on a conference call yesterday with people in the mayor's office and, and sort of his recovery team to talk about things that we set up here in, in the aftermath of the storm. I mean, they talked about a program the city copied after, if you recall, after Sandy and, and the idea of getting people back in their homes versus sheltering somewhere else. And so we needed to fix their hot water heaters, uh, um, their, their boilers and hot water heaters. And so in the Frum community, we set up this program that the city ultimately copied called Rapid Repair. The city of Houston now is considering setting up a similar program. And so we talked to them yesterday to, to, to the ups and the downs, how they should do it and how they shouldn't do it. And we had a great conference call. And they sent an email last night saying we'd love to follow up and, and talk more about what worked and what didn't work and how we can move forward. So I think, look, it's unfortunate that we had to go through Sandy. There's no question. But I think for, for many of us, we sort of took the kindness of strangers from all over the world during Sandy, and now we feel it's our turn to, to turn around and give it back wherever we can. And um, I, I, look, I can't say enough about the people who didn't have to be there, right? And, and that goes for my bender and my brother and um, and Texas Kosher Barbecue, who literally drove down from Dallas, left his job, left it, you know, took his business along with him, and literally Texas Kosher Barbecue was serving 1,500 meals a day without asking for anything from anybody. They literally brought the trucks, they got all the food, they got all the supplies, they brought volunteers, and literally from within an hour that they were parked in the parking lot uh, by Barron Academy in Houston, they were already serving meals. I, I mean, say, but I'm sorry for cutting off. These weren't just meals, a bunch of hot dogs <laughs> thrown, thrown, into, thrown into a bucket. You know, these guys were serving and making these people who were just in the worst of times feel like a mensch. They were serving beautiful meals oh. with heart. I, it was, it was really, I mean, bad. you're talking about like Michael, what we like will travel far for. Like, I mean, yes. this is like, Good Texas barbecue, and they weren't offering like you know a hot dog in a in a styrofoam container. I mean, they were. If you wanted six hot dogs, you wanted ten hamburgers, you wanted a bigger piece of brisket, they were going to give you whatever you wanted, and they were willing to stay for a week, for two weeks, or as long as the community needed them to stay. And so it's just people come together, people from all it's, over. The it's amazing. I mean, it, there's no question. 
that I think that's the purpose of us talking about this and how amazing it is and how the ability of people to come together and help one another is is I mean that's in the end that's really actually supposed to be what government is all about but it doesn't do it particularly efficiently um, it's really what I'll what, let that one slide it's, it's all right I'm still in government but uh, the we don't do it efficiently we don't do a good we don't do a good job of that I think what we have to really what it comes down to is a person willing to sacrifice for himself for somebody else and for their benefit that's what really gets stuff accomplished. Let's. I. I know. You know. Time is short. Let's just talk about Miami very briefly. Sure. And and you, you know, it, it's almost certain that Miami Dade County and Broward County and Palm Beach County, where you've a massive concentration of Jews as and Orthodox uh, Jews uh, residing. Uh, Less so during the month of September than you would have if it was in the month of December, but this is when the hurricanes are. But it's still huge. Uh, you know, it's almost staggering to think about massive destruction there, what we could be facing as a community to try and help. I know that, you know, there's truckloads of supplies and money, et cetera. Uh, you know, what are you thinking about now as Achiezer, Rabbi Bender, you know, in trying to deal with that? So I, I am thinking that I, I would like to basically give what I'm thinking about is that. You know, right now we've learned so much. We're learning. We're 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 in the thick of it because of Houston, and the terrifying part is that we're focused on is that unfortunately the reality is that the thousands and thousands of people you just referenced cannot get out, uh, whether it's because of no gas, whether because of no flights, so or because they're elderly, or because they're elderly and they're dependent on on medical equipment and so many other items. Um, but what we've been doing, and I've been in direct contact with the leadership of Hatzala there and other organizations on the ground, and just trying to go through different checklists to try to make sure they are as coordinated as possible, that they are in touch with as many people as possible to give as much advice and instruction as possible so that when the storm hits, and again, we're still all praying for some miracle that it does not, but when the storm hits, they can be as safe as possible, whatever that means, and that after the storm, they will be able to effectively be able to reach out as quickly as possible to ensure safety of everybody. Um, and that's really what we did yesterday for a couple of hours with the, with the folks in Florida, just going through one item after another, just to try to make sure that we are double-checking and triple-checking anything possible. And like I said, the terrifying part is many people are trying to get out and they simply can't. So they're just being told to try to set themselves up where they are and hope for the best, which is obviously uh, a frightening thought. And so, again, if we can give the experiences we've learned as much as we possibly can and share it with them, and then we got to just pray that hopefully things don't turn out the way the forecasts are predicting at this time. And this, of course, is in addition to your regular caseload of, 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 of crisis that you deal with every day. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I know we could go on for quite some time about this. And uh, it's very important to have you here, Bender and Phil, you really, both of you, to having gone to Houston this week and, and to deal with this uh, tragedy, or I guess we could also say opportunity, uh, that that we have to help uh, a fellow Jew or to help other, anybody. Uh, quite incredible. A tremendous Kiddush Hashem. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been Spin Class, uh, talking not about politics, but about Houston and potential Hurricane Irma here coming on Florida. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks here on the Nachum Siegel Network. See you next week.